Hey, everybody. This is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Good. I'm so excited. We are starting our Elephants in the Room. This is an annual series we do every August where we take tough topics and sensitive subjects and we just face them head on. We say, Lord, show us how to deal with these concepts. Today's message is PG, maybe PG-13, just so you guys know. That's why we do have uh, child care available for your kids. Um, y'all, y'all see Ernie the Elephant over there? Isn't he cute? I love Ernie. I love Ernie. We look forward to bringing him out every year. Uh, before I get to the message, just want to uh, echo an announcement. Uh, we're gearing up for life groups. These are small groups that meet on pe- in people's homes um, on Wednesday nights. Um, we have a problem. We have more people who want to attend life groups than life groups. And so if you've been sitting there thinking, well, if Jamie will tell me that I need to host a group... Don't do that to me. Look, you hear from God and then contact us because we, we do have some needs there. Now, we have two homes that are looking for facilitators. This is the person that kind of facilitates group discussion. And we have a, 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 a whole sheet of paper where we walk you through everything. So we're looking for that. We also have another group uh, that wants some help with meals. They want to open up their home. They can facilitate, but, but they need some help with meals. So if, as I mentioned that, you think, well, I could do that, right? Well, then let uh, myself or Tim or Cynthia know, and we'll get you in touch with the right people. Cool? Cool. Well, this morning we are kicking elephants uh, in the room off with a bang. Uh, We're going to be talking about God, gender, and the trans community. I mean, this is a huge topic going on right now, right? I mean, you can hardly turn on the TV, look at social media, read any magazine, and hear about what's going on regarding gender, You know, we want to approach all issues with grace and truth. John chapter one says that Jesus was the fullness of grace and truth. He wasn't part grace and part truth. He was the fullness of both. Now, here's the thing. We tend to choose one over the other. We tend to say, well, I believe in the truth. That's cool, but sometimes you're a jerk. (laughs) And then sometimes, well, I'm just full of grace. Yeah, but you don't stand for anything. So we've got to do both of these because grace offends the religious and truth offends the rebellious. And we don't want to be either one. So we're going to apply grace and truth to the topic of gender. Now, I will not be talking about the LGBT community at large. I'm going to be focusing only on uh, transgenderism this morning. I did preach a sermon three years ago called Loving the LGBT Community in 2019. Uh, it's available on our website, on our podcast, and all that good stuff. We should have some CDs uh, maybe in the foyer as well. They can make them for you if you request them. And so, Uh, that's going to be talking about all, uh, everyone in that community. But today we are focusing on uh, gender and transgenderism. Now, before I get started, let me just say a couple things. First of all, I am not targeting anyone. 
This is not a message. I will never do that. I will never use my platform to single anyone out. All right, that's religious garbage. We don't do that here. Okay, uh, this is this has been planned for a long time. Also, I know you want me to say what you believe this morning. It's going to take me some time to to paint the big picture. Okay, so just simmer down and hold on. Okay, so just take a deep breath. You're going to be all right. I will be challenging traditional mindsets, and I will be challenging progressive mindsets this morning. Someone asked me earlier this week, how's the sermon going? I thought, I think I'm going to make everyone mad is what I think, is that's how it's going. (laughs) Because we are not, as the church, we are not responding correctly to this. Also, I encourage you, set aside your current opinion. This topic has been highly politicized, which means it's very likely your opinion on this didn't come from you. It may have come from someone that you listened to. So let's honor the Lord and say, okay, God, you speak to us. Cool? Y'all ready to dig in? I'm going to be going fast. We have notes in our church app. Uh, This will be on our podcast, on Facebook, on our website for you to go back and listen to. But I'm going to be flying. So let's get into it. First thing we need to do is we need to define a few terms, okay? Uh, When I say biological sex, I mean male or female based on anatomy, all right? This is uh, uh, genetics. This is chromosomes, XX or XY. There is such a thing. uh, It used to be called her hermaphrodite, and now it's called intersex. That's the concept that there is a deformity physically, right? And, and, and I, I feel for those people, people with um, genetic abnormalities need to be loved, taken care of, and told that Jesus loves them no matter what, right? But that's what I mean by biological sex. It's tied to your body, Okay. Next is gender. Gender is usually defined as the social understanding of biological sex, how we relate to our biological sex. So this is stuff like boys are represented by blue, girls are represented by pink, right? Well, that doesn't mean anything. It's just arbitrary, right? Um, These are things that we see that are generalities that we can apply to whole groups, stuff like boys like trucks, girls like dolls. Well, in general, that may be true, but I I know a few girls that like playing with trucks, right? Uh, I think I might have had a doll when I was a kid, but don't tell anyone, okay? (laughs) Guys like video games, girls like shopping. Well, that's true in general, right? I've been there when women have shopped, and it's impressive. (laughs) But there's some guys that can shop too, and I've seen some some girls kick tail at video games, okay? So like... So right, these, are, these are generalizations that we have about gender. Some are rooted in culture alone. Do you know that high heels were created by the Egyptians and worn by men? Right? You know that some of the clothing, even what Jesus wore wasn't pants. It was more like a dress. See, the, so, so it varies from culture to culture how men and women are going to present themselves. Some are rooted in the difference. There is a difference, a biological difference in the brains of men and women. There is, a, there is a femininity and a masculinity when it comes to, to brain. This is all scientifically proven. So that is what gender is. Now, here's where most people understand that. Here's where we kind of get into the weeds a little bit and where we get into kind of what's been changing a lot here recently. The concept of gender identity. This is how someone, an individual, relates to and expresses their gender. Now, growing up, if there was a girl that 
uh, that maybe like to climb trees and throw rocks, we'd call her a tomboy, right? Right? Was she a boy? No. But we called her a tomboy. She was a girl who liked to do typically classically guy things, right? And so uh, that is a concept of she was just like, I ain't having those dolls. Don't give me a Barbie, right? Uh, and so that's an, an example of how an individual relates to and expresses their gender. Now we have something, oh, by the way, there's a term cisgender, a C-I-S, cisgender. That just means that your biological sex and your gender identity match, like there's no conflict, Now, there is a term uh, that's called gender dysphoria. This is a medical condition where someone's biological sex doesn't match their perceived gender or their gender identity. These are people who don't feel comfortable in their own body. They don't feel comfortable in their own own skin. Uh, And more than just, you know, being a tomboy or something like that, they, they struggle with how their physical body is because mentally they don't feel the same. This used to be called gender identity disorder, and then it was renamed because that I think people felt that didn't seem nice, and so they called it gender dysphoria. Then, of course, we have transgender. Transgender is when, is when someone takes steps to physically transition to a gender that doesn't match their biological sex. This is they change their clothing. Maybe they change their name or the pronoun that they want to be called by. Uh, they can use hormone therapy and even go as far as using surgery to change their body to match their gender identity. Are we all on the same page so far? Are we good? Y'all nod at me. I'm looking for a little feedback. Okay. All right, cool. So as Christians, we believe that God is the creator Right? We believe that God is our creator, the creator of humanity, and the creator of a thing gets to determine the boundaries of that thing. So as Christians, we believe that God gets to determine what we think about gender. So what does the Bible say about sex and gender? Well, let me show you a couple verses. In the very beginning, the account of creation, Genesis 1.27 says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So we see here from the very beginning in creation what's called a binary concept of gender. There's just male and female, and there's really nothing else. And, and so there's, there's really no wiggle room as far as like, is there anything in between male and female? There's a concept called in hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is how you approach and, and, and understand scripture. It's called the law of first mention. The, the, the first time you mention something, uh, something's mentioned in Scripture, it's continued throughout until it's specifically changed. And so if we apply, so we, that means we need to look through the rest of Scripture to see if this is ever updated or changed. Well, so that, that I've kind of done that for you with a few scriptures here. Uh, a few thousand years later after creation, several thousand years later, uh, we see uh, Deuteronomy 22.5. We're looking at the Mosaic law. Okay, this is the law. This is the ancient civil law code for Israel. Okay, now for the record, you don't follow this. You're not in ancient Israel, are you? No, all the law was fulfilled in Christ. Okay, but it's a good, it shows us the mindset thousands of years after creation. Was it still just man and woman? Well, interestingly, Deuteronomy 22 5, there is a rule, a law code for ancient Israel. It says, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. So we see it's not changed. 
We see that this, this, this binary concept of male and female is, is there, right? Uh, thousands of years later in the law code of ancient Israel. Now, again, look, you don't, you don't want to use that verse to beat people up because in the same chapter, it says you have to have railings on your roof. Do you have railings on your roof? Okay, sinner. All right, it says don't mix wool and linen. All right, some of y'all, I'm looking at some of your threads. I right, see this, is, this does not apply practically today. But it does give us a glimpse into the mentality of God's people at the time, and there was a binary construct of gender. Are you with me? What about the New Testament? Paul's exporting Christianity to outside of Israel into uh, the Greek areas, and they were very pagan, and when it came to sexual mores, it was very different than, than, uh, than the Jewish people. Well, in 1 Corinthians, which is Greek, he's writing to Greek people, uh, 11, 14 through 15, it's interesting. You know, let me just say, there's a cultural issue that's being addressed here. The, the early Christian churches, the women covered their heads. And, and, and there were questions that were asked of Paul, do we really have to do this? Like, like why do we do this, right? And so Paul was responding to those questions and saying, look, it's a tradition that we all do. It's a way of differentiating men from women. Look, just if you do this for me, it'll make me happy, okay? All the churches do this. This is what's going on. And so, but peering into that and seeing Paul's defense of this instruction, he says, verse 14, isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And isn't, uh, and isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy, for it's been given to her as a covering? Now, we don't need to follow those rules. If you're a woman with short hair, you're okay. If you're a man with long hair, you're okay. All right? But the question is, did the New Testament church, even outside of ancient Israel, see gender as binary? And the answer is yes. So here's the bottom line I want you to see. Is that scripture speaks of sex and gender as binary and fixed with male and female only. It's just the concept of, of gender fluidity, which means you can change, uh, or, or an identity being different than, a, than, the, than the biological sex, is simply not found in scripture. And guys, scripture does not get updated by culture. It's not updated by culture. So what does current culture say about sex and gender? So the world that we're living in, what, what, what's the current concept that we're looking at here? Well, the word gender used to be synonymous with biological sex. The, the first time we see gender used is around the 1500s. This is in English, obviously. The 1500s, and, and it was synonymous with biological sex. It meant the same thing, sex and gender. And for many of you, especially if you're older, that's your understanding gender and sex are the same thing. But in the mid-20th century, in the 50s or so, researchers uh, began to change the meaning of gender, and it really took root in culture about 50 years ago, all right? In the 70s, we began to understand gender uh, as something different than biological sex, which leads us to someone I need to tell you about. You probably never heard this person's name, but they are the single most influential person when it comes to today's modern concepts of gender and sex, and that's a guy named John Money. John Money. John Money was a uh, psychologist in New Zealand. He's the one that introduced the phrase gender identity. He believed that gender was learned, purely social, purely cultural, and untethered completely from biological sex. He set out to prove this through a series of, of experience, experiments that he did. I need to warn you, this gets pretty dark. 
I'm not going to tell you all the details because you have Google too. But you can literally look up John Money and you can read about this. There's actually books that have been written and I believe documentaries that have been made. There was a, there was a boy, actually a pair of twins, Bruce Reimer, and he had a brother named Brian. Bruce, unfortunately, during a circumcision, was pretty heavily mutilated. And so John Money uh, convinced Bruce's parents to go ahead and fully castrate the boy and raise him as a girl. Why? Because gender is just a social construct. It's not really tied to your body. And so if you, if you treat him like a girl, he will think he is a girl, he'll act like he's a girl, and so on and so on. Money did lots of sexual experiments with Bruce and his brother Brian that are pretty gross. I'm not going to talk about them in detail here, but they're out there for you to read. At age 14, Bruce is suffering greatly. I mean, he is depressed. He is suicidal. He is really struggling. And his parents finally tell him, uh, you're not, they named him Brenda, renamed him Brenda. You're actually not Brenda. You're Bruce. You were born a boy. And here's what happened to you. So Bruce then renames himself David, just to confuse things. Names himself David Reimer. You can look all this stuff up. And he struggles with his identity because his biology was not matching what he was told he was. It's really sad. At age 36, David's brother Brian kills himself. And at age 38, David kills himself. John Money continued to say his experiment on David Reimer was a success. And because of that, thousands of infant surgeries were done on babies with deformities, babies who were intersex or hermaphrodites, under the false assumption that Money's research was sound when it was not. It was not sound. He never recanted, and he blamed, this is his words, the right-wing anti-feminist media for the men's deaths, not his own sadistic spiritual, sexual abuse. Today, children are being put on puberty-blocking medication and even undergoing surgery because the idea that gender identity is completely separate from biological sex. It's never been proven. It's not pure science. It's an agenda-driven concept. The sick demonized fraud of a psychologist is behind the current gender identity crisis that we're seeing. And you probably didn't know his name. Um, I encourage you, please check up and make sure that what I told you is true. I, I, I don't just ask you to, I, I really kind of challenge you to so that you don't just believe it because I say it, but you actually believe it because it's the truth. What are the stats regarding um, transgender and, and non-binary thinking in America? Pew Research just released an article, like just last month, um, in June of 2022. And here are the latest statistics. 1.6% of all U.S. adults are either transgender or identifies somehow as non-binary. In other words, they, they think that they're somewhere in between male or female or something besides male or female, or they've taken steps. Remember, transgender means they've taken steps to change their body in some way, okay? 1.6% of adults. Now, it's interesting how broken out and different this is by age group. People over 50, the percentage is 0.3%. Interestingly, about 50 years ago is when we began to look into gender identity versus gender. 
And so people over the age of 50, and that's why a lot of people, if you're a young person and, and you're thinking through, hey, I don't know that I fit into binary gender categories, your grandparents are probably like, what in the world are you talking about? Because they just, they, that's, it's, it's, a, it's not a concept that they were introduced to. So 0.3% of adults 50 plus are either trans or non-binary. 1.6% of adults 30 to 49, Gen X. And 5.1% of adults 18 to 29. Now look at the, how fast that's grown in such a short amount of time. That's all from Pew Research. The, the statistic here at the bottom about teens is, is another, um, another uh, uh, research paper. 10% of teens, 12 to 17, identified as LGBTQ+. That's anything on that LGBTQ spectrum, 10%. Some say higher, some say lower. This is the most recent that I trust as far as actual scientific data. So why the growth? If this was purely biological, it should remain fairly consistent, right? So why is there so much more of this? Well, there's something called the social contagion effect. According to psychology today, Social contagion is the tendency for people to mimic the behavior of others who are either nearby or whom they've been exposed to. We, we, are, we, are, we, are, we like to be around other people and what they do rubs off on us, right? You know that. I mean, we've all experienced that before. And so it's interesting what's been going on. In the last several years, there has been a tsunami of pro-transgender media, media uh, movies, books, music, social media platforms like TikTok and Tumblr, it is everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. Even classroom education has been updated to include gender identity instruction. Being transgender for the younger generation is celebrated. It's cool. It's trendy. And it's very normal for people, especially under the age of 25. It's pushed in children's programming. This is a screenshot from Nickelodeon during Pride Month. Nickelodeon, if you don't know, is, a, is children's programming. And so during Pride Month, they, they wanted to expose children uh, to, that's a, a, a man in drag, maybe a transgender woman, not sure. But that's uh, a screenshot from Nickelodeon. Blues Clues, anyone grow up watching Blues Clues? Uh, they had a parade, an LGBTQ parade here. Um, you see Blue in the corner, and he's celebrating with the different transgender people. And uh, one part, and one, some people on the float had like little surgery marks where they'd had surgery. Um, and then, of course, there's a, a drag queen. Again, I don't know exactly um, who that's supposed to represent there. We have, we have, y'all, have y'all heard of the drag queen story hour at libraries? This has gone all over the country. This is in big cities, in big cities, you have drag queens reading to children. It's not a doctored photo. Um, and so you see this push and it's like, whoa, I don't know what's going on with that head thing going on there. That's interesting. Um, guys, this is not education. This is indoctrination. I mean, there's a difference. Like, I, I'm all for education, and I'm, and I'm all for, you know, uh, supporting and loving people who have gender dysphoria and are struggling. Like, that's reasonable and loving, but that's not this. The vice president recently introduced herself with her name followed by she, her pronouns. Why? 
If, if you don't have alternate pronouns you want people to use, why would you tell people the pronouns that have existed for so many years? It, it, again, it's a trend. It's a trend that's happening. You guys, of course, have heard about uh, allowing transgender females, again, biologically born males, who, who transitioned to female or in the process of transitioning to female to, complete, com- to compete athletically with biological females. This is a picture of Leah Thomas on the left, who is a biological man who is in, in a, a process of transitioning to a female. And then Riley Gaines on the right. They actually tied recently in a swim meet, but they gave the award to Leah. Um, and you can see how much taller he is than her. Um, this is, it's stealing opportunities from women. And, and, and at the same time, I don't think we should try to punish people who are struggling, who are really struggling with gender dysphoria. But guys, this is crazy. This is, it's, it's bizarre and it's new and, and culture is trying to, to figure out how to, how to, to handle with this. And if you speak up against this, you are transphobic and hateful and a bigot and all these different things. I'm sure I will be called transphobic because of this message. Bring it on. Because anyone who knows me knows that I love everyone. And I won't be bullied or intimidated by words. But guys, this is crazy. So most of the people I've talked to that are for a lot of the transgender stuff, they're not trying to influence children towards transgenderism. They're not. They are simply trying to show compassion. But the problem is, is that they're doing it by abandoning the truth, which is harmful. The push to include transgender people in the media is not just supporting people with gender identity issues. It's creating people with gender identity issues. And this is what we see in statistics. We see this evidence. It's really obvious. It's not just biological. It's not just a whole crop of kids. All of a sudden, boom, I've got gender identity disorder. I've got gender dysphoria. No, it's, it, it's social contagion. This causing Kids are impressionable. We restrict them from making serious life choices until they're adults for a reason. You can't rent a car when you're a kid, a teenager. You can't buy, you can't, you can't even stay in a hotel because they'll trash the place. Y'all know teenagers? Have you been around them? <laughs> right, you, you, can't, you can't vote. You can't drink alcohol. But somehow we're allowing children to make permanent decisions. It's literally illegal for someone under 18 to get a tattoo, to get a permanent marking on their body, but yet they can have a body part removed? Guys, this is, this is dangerous. And, and, and it's, I'm, I'm not... Please hear my heart. It's not just like, we're right. And they're, no, no, no. That's not what's best for people. Love doesn't lie. Love doesn't let someone hurt themselves. Love stops someone and says, hey, oncoming traffic is, is headed your way. And so we've got to figure out how does the church respond? Like, what are we supposed to do? Well, first of all, now this is very, very important. We have to distinguish between people with gender dysphoria and gender identity activists. Those are two different things. 
Now, you might be called to love and help people with gender dysphoria. That's awesome. You might be called in the public realm to take a a stand against transgender activism. That's wonderful, but don't confuse the two. Again, grace and truth. We love those who are actually struggling and have a mental condition, but truth, we stand for what's right. We stand for what's most helpful. Galatians 6, 1 through 2 says, Brothers and sisters, hey, that's you. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Maybe not with what they're tempted with. Maybe you're not tempted with, with, with gender identity issues, but you might be tempted with pride. You might be tempted with self-righteousness. Watch yourself, lest you be tempted. Verse two, so carry each other's burdens and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Look, we need to help those who are confused. Tell them that gender and biological sex are not unrelated. Are they different? Sure, sure. We absolutely see effeminate males and, um, and, and masculine females, right? Of course, and there's nothing wrong with that. I like to think of it, if, if, if biological sex is a room in a house, anyone can stand anywhere in that room. You've got your male room over here, and some, some of the men are in the corner, some are in this corner, some are in the middle, but they're still in the man room. And then over here, you got the female room, and some female rooms are kind of next to the wall that's close to the man room, and some are over here, right? But you can't switch rooms. Because gender is tied to biological sex. Otherwise, what is it? Otherwise, there's an infinite number of genders out there and it's purely subjective and it makes no sense. Like it's, it's tied to biological sex, but at the same time, we don't need to force young boys to say, young man, you're gonna go hunting or you're not a man. Look, we in the South are bad at that. Can we be honest? I remember Ethan, I didn't ask permission, sorry, buddy. When Ethan was young... <laughs> He wanted one of those easy bake ovens because he wanted cookies. And so we order this easy bake oven, y'all, it's as pink as pink gets. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh no. I mean, like really, I had that thought. I was like, uh, what's, what's the deal here? And, 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 and I had to get over it. He just wanted cookies. He is very much a man. All right, so we need to stop being weird about that kind of stuff. Stop telling kids they have to act a certain way to be a boy or a girl. And we need to tell them gender dysphoria is not cool to have. People with this condition are in crisis. 41% of trans adults try to kill themselves. That's not fun. That's not trendy. That's not cool. Right, we need to help them by telling them the truth. The church is a hospital. Jesus is the physician and Christians are the nurses. Get to work. Get to work. We need to encourage people to find their identity in Christ. John 1, 12 through 13 says, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They're reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Guys, in your physical body, you're going to experience all sorts of problems, all sorts of things that aren't according to God's design. You were born that way. We were all born that way. That's why God says you must be born again. 
You are not right how you are. We're all broken. We all have sin. We have to adopt our identity in Christ. We have to show others how to utilize God's tool of mind renewal. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. See, the whole trans community in their hurt and in their woundedness, they're trying to be transformed. And God has already told us how. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If the body doesn't match the mind, don't change the body, change the mind. We do this with all other medical conditions, like body dysmorphia, where maybe there's a young woman who's very skinny and still thinks she's overweight. We wouldn't lie to her and say, yes, sweetheart, let's have surgery to make you even more skinny. No, we say, change your mind. You're not thinking right about yourself. Transgenderism is the only thing that we say, yeah, let's change the body. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not helpful. The, the studies show that hormone blockers, gender transition surgery helps for a little bit. And you'll read studies. You can Google that. You can read studies. For the first few years, the person is happier. But the long-term studies, and there was a big one that was done in Scandinavia. Like it started in the 70s. It's one of the few long-term studies that we have. It helps for a little bit, it plateaus, and then it drops. And the surgeries do not help long-term when it comes to depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. It does in the beginning for a little bit. It does. Because like, finally, my body's matching my brain. But it doesn't solve the problem long-term. Guys, we need to help these people. Don't forget that Christians fight differently. We don't fight like the world, you guys. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says, We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Look, don't fight like the world. Some of y'all are down in the mire and in the mud slinging with, you're like, well, the gender activists, they do this, so I'm going to do it too, just for the truth. You're not helping anyone. You're just pumping yourself up. You're just, you're, you're, you're helping your pride. And, and so we don't fight, guys. The Christians don't fight like the world does. Really quickly, I'm so out of time, but I need to tell you, how should you respond to a loved one struggling with their gen, gender identity? First of all, protect your relationship with them. Protect your relationship with them. To reach someone, you have to meet them where they are, not where you wish they were. You have to meet them where they are. There are 8 billion people on the planet, and there's only one of you. If you are a parent and your child is struggling with gender identity, don't sacrifice that relationship on the altar of being right. They only have one parent. They only have one grandparent or a few grandparents, or aunts, or uncles, or, or don't keep that relationship. Keep that door open. One of the main things a lot of people are trying to figure out is, should I use preferred pronouns? Because as a lot of people are struggling with gender identity, they say, well, I was born a he, but I want to be called a she, or I want to be called they or them, or something like that. Or there's a bunch of made-up words, too. Um, look, I, I just encourage you, I wouldn't die on that hill. I wouldn't die on that hill. Um, if, if, if Jacob wanted to be called Jake, call him Jake, right? I mean, like, like, right. If, if, if it's just 
to me, it's more important to preserve the relationship. And it's going to be on a case-by-case basis. But, but if you're pushing someone away because you just refuse to, to call them what they ask you to, I, I don't know that you're helping them. I think you're just helping your own belief system. So I, I protect your relationship with people, okay? To pray for them and with them. Pray for them and with them. Not just that they would change, but that they would experience God. You can't save anyone. You can only lead them to the Savior. But if you have no relationship, you can't lead them anywhere. So pray for them and pray with them. And, 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 and drop the issue, like don't always talk about their gender identity with them. Talk about other stuff, right? Three, last one, embrace an eternal perspective. You know, gender is not an eternal state. We won't be male or female forever. Scripture says this explicitly. Um, don't win the culture war at the expense of the spiritual war that we're in. You may convince someone of your thoughts and feelings, but if you run them away, they might have correct gender identity, but they'll be in hell. Right? So prioritize an eternal perspective. Christians are the most effective when we are at your feet instead of in your face. This is what Jesus modeled. It's what told us. They will know we are Christians not by our use of preferred pronouns. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Right? So it's very, very important that we, that we act like Christ. Hey, if you are here or you are watching and you're struggling with gender identity, I want you to know we love you. We, we want you to be happy, healthy, and confident in who you are in Christ. We're not mad at you. We're not against you. We're for you. VFC is not an affirming church, but we are an accepting church. What does that mean? Affirming is, is used to mean that a church sees absolutely nothing wrong with, with alternative gender or sexual lifestyles. That's an affirming church. There's nothing wrong with your behavior, right? We're not affirming because the Bible is really clear on the boundaries around sexual behavior, but we are accepting. You can come. Belong, believe, become. You belong. We want you here. How else is someone going to be changed if they're not exposed to the presence of God, if they're not exposed to the word of God? There's a book I'd recommend, and not just a book, but a guy even more so. He's got podcasts. He's on YouTube. He's got books. He's everywhere. His name is Mark Yarhouse. I didn't find him until this week, but I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more from him. He's a Christian in Australia. He's got a very balanced but biblical view of this kind of stuff. He's, he's really, really good. He's really, really good. And all this is in the notes on the app as well. Will you let God determine what you think about gender? Will you let God determine how you treat people struggling with their gender? That's an important question for the church in this hour. How are you going to respond? Let's stand for prayer. Wow, you guys made it through a sermon on transgenderism in church. Congratulations. Next week, uh, Pastor Eric is going to share on mental health. Which kind of like a, we're going to kind of continue the mental health area. Uh, and then after that, I'm going to lighten things up with a sermon about uh, can Christians cuss? <laughs> I'm serious. 
I'm dead serious. This is what we're going to talk about. Like, what are the language barriers? It's going to be great. I'm going to be asking you on social media for some of your favorite Christian cuss words. So just get ready, okay? Get ready. But hey, let's submit this part of our belief system to the Lord. Close your eyes. Would you make the commitment to God right now that you'll let him, your designer, your creator, determine what you think about gender? That you'll let him, other people's designer and creator, tell you how to treat those other people? Would you commit to the Lord in this moment to yield to his instruction, his way? Guys, his way is not to launch political grenades at people everywhere you go. It's just not. It might feel good, but that's because it's feeding your flesh. Are you willing to submit to him? I'd love to lead you in a prayer. If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I submit my gender to you. You get to do what you want. And I submit my feelings about this issue to you because you love me and you know me. Use me, God, to be a light and to be a help to those who are hurting. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tiff, will you close us? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.